Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the People's Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host Ali Bunker, ready to guide you through the crazy world of WWE. Um, We've had Raw and Smackdown this week, um, and we'll be running through them both. No news this week. Um, We're going to probably try and keep this one a little bit shorter than normal. Uh, One of the reasons being, we're a man down here at PWP. Um, Matt Bumby, unfortunately, can't be with us this evening. Uh, He's lost his smile. He's taken his ball and gone home. Um, pretty much, he's just not very well. Um, Matt, not very well, so he can't join. Can't join me here this evening. But who can? Aiden Bunker, everyone. Hello, everybody. How are we? By everybody, I mean you. <laughs> I'm okay. Um, yeah, just a shame not to have Matt with us this evening. But we'll uh, we'll try and soldier on, uh, regardless. Uh, on what was a you know a semi-eventful week of WWE action we've seen a fairly major return um, um no to help when well to help us get into that we'll take a look at Monday Night Raw So Monday Night Raw came from Portland, Oregon this week, and it kicked off with a fairly enjoyable segment, I thought. Yeah, the uh, Shield returning in their gear and their entrance through the crowd was quite exciting. Yeah, so it was a bit of a, a bit of a nostalgia act um, for everybody, but it's, I get the sense it's more than just nostalgia for WWE. I feel like they're, they're fully behind this reunion. Yeah, I guess um, these are... Three of the top guys in the company, um, so it would be hard for them just to kind of dismiss this as just a, a return. This is like the dawning of potentially a new era in, in Raw. Yeah, I mean, as you say, if these are three of the the top guys, and obviously WWE are a little bit lacking in talent near the top of the card at the moment with the absences of the likes of John Cena uh, and Brock Lesnar. Uh, although we'll come on to Brock a bit later. Um, so these three guys teaming is, uh, you know, as we mentioned last week, should theoretically make them a really, really strong team, stronger than they were before. Um, and they've got some decent opponents. Now, um, this Monday Night Raw was the go-home show for TLC, which is on Sunday. Um, typ- so quickly. Typically not a show that I'm massively looking forward to, uh, TLCs. Um, and essentially, this, this card is building up to be a sort of a one-match pay-per-view isn't it yeah pretty much as as much as they try and put attention on the other matches this is the one that everyone's tuning in for it's the one that they put in probably about 40 minutes if not more of tv time in one episode today yeah so i mean it will start where we're at the beginning which is a very good place to start um so kurt angle raw gm comes out uh to no, address the crowd uh, and address the crowd ahead of Sunday's pay-per-view. 
um, and is interrupted by the shield, but not just the shield, uh, not just the shield that we saw last week, the old shield, pretty much. So we had the uh, the the old shield theme music. They had the old shield attire, and they came through the crowd, which I thought was brave considering how disliked Roman Reigns has become since the end of the shield. Well, we say um, here the shield's old theme music, but couldn't really hear the whole Sierra Hotel uh, stuff at the beginning because Kurt Angle just spoke over it the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit funny. I think uh, the moment was maybe slightly ruined by Kurt Angle maybe missing his cue or whatever or just not shutting up, basically. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you could just about hear it on TV. I, I do wonder whether the crowd in, uh, in the arena heard it, though, because um, I kind of expected the pop to be a bit louder for that. Um, I think that was, it was like a slow slow pop build kind of thing when they realize oh this is happening yeah i think the pot was loud, louder for them appearing in the crowd as well i thought that was you know it was a really good reaction and yeah. um, they just looked ultimately they just looked so much more badass than they do individually when they came out together yeah it was good to see like the entrance and the um the outfits because I wasn't sure whether they would do the outfits maybe at TLC but I thought maybe in the weeks leading up to it they'd kind of stay individual um, but it's good to see like Dean Ambrose have a haircut as well back to his shield days um, Seth Rollins in his outfit uh, just without the blonde <laughs> the blonde streak but he's, he's a bit bigger now these days so I imagine he's probably maybe got a bit of a bigger outfit and then yeah Robin Reigns <laughs> looking how he lo- looks Every day, anyway, so doesn't really matter. Well, it's a slight tweet to Roman's attire, isn't it? I mean, the uh, the, the old color, the old shield um, attire. But um, what I liked about this was that um, we're not now getting Roman Reigns with Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. We're getting the Shield, which I kind of feared for with the Shield because obviously Roman has been the the main player since the breakup. Obviously, Seth's had his time, so is Dean, but Roman is the main one. He's the guy. Um, and I was a little bit sceptical about whether we'd see just Roman and his two cronies, you know, basically. Uh, but I don't think we're seeing that. And even with his entrance, Roman was at the back. He wasn't leading them out. Um, you know, he started the talking, but, you know, Seth cut him off fairly quickly. So, you know, maybe we're not not going to see that, which can only be a, a good thing, because let's face it, that's not going to go down well with the with the WWE universe, is it? Yeah, they should be treated as free equals, free world championship caliber guys who any one of these three guys can be the guy yeah and because essentially that's what they are i mean seth's been the guy um dean it's been there or thereabouts so you know maybe his time will come um but you know roman obviously is at the top of the card has been for the last few wrestlemanias as well so um perhaps maybe not equals at this moment in time but you know maybe we'll see uh hopefully we'll get there um so yeah so as i say the shield entered the ring and they're in their old style as well they just sort of circled the ring and it was a little bit menacing a little bit heel like i thought but they circled kurt angle and they made their way in this was it was a little bit odd um were they basically threatening to beat up kurt angle well they they came in they surrounded the ring and kurt looked threatened and the commentators made a point of saying like surely they're not gonna hurt kurt or anything um and to begin with, Roman Reigns was, yeah, very, like... Kurt Angle said, oh, who wants to hear from the Shield? And he was like, well, yeah, when we step in the ring, you better get out of it, otherwise we'll kick your ass. Which is a bit, like... And then Seth was like, well, well, calm down. But 
just that to begin with was a bit like hmm, that's it was quite an odd place to begin. Yeah, I thought it was. Um, as as you say, Seth Seth sort of cut Roman off after that a little bit. <laughs> Did you notice he went? Um, he said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, there, big dog!" But it very much sounded like he said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, there, big, big dog. dong." <laughs> Which you know. He apparently did bust his zipper the other week when he was talking to John Cena, so, you know. Yeah, I did hear that. And do you know what? I immediately thought of you when I, when I heard that as well. Not, not, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> anyway, bad dong. Um, inside joke, literally. Um, so, yeah, so the Shield essentially just going on saying that they will take on anyone and Dean Mark got ahead of himself by saying that they will take on five or six or seven people or whatever, um, but they still will because there's no force stronger than the Shield. At which point, um, I believe they challenged the Miz and um, the the Bar and Braun to a fight uh, to be met by Braun Strowman and the rest of them and the rest of them, but Braun, but Braun's music. Um, so they they appeared on the ramp, but Kurt Angle quickly sort of dispersed it. And said if if the bar wanted their title shot later in the evening, and if Braun wanted a steel cage match with Roman, then they would have to head back to the the backstage area. Yeah, so this was a little bit random, because um, a I just assumed that Kurt had walked to the back, and then um, when the others came out, it turned out Kurt was just standing outside the ring the entire time. So he must have been standing there just five minutes watching the Shield. And secondly, I don't know if it was announced beforehand, but I had no idea there was a tag title match on. Me neither. I hadn't heard anything about this. I don't know if I just missed it or, you know, hadn't seen it on Twitter or anything. But usually we, that's a big match. Like, that would be something they'd announced beforehand. Uh, I don't think they mentioned it last week. So, you know, was it planned? I don't know. But, um, you know, it came came later in the night, and we'll get on to that. Um, the main event, obviously, for was it, well was announced I believe it was announced last week, or at least during the week. The the match itself was announced last week, but the stipulation was announced this week. As in the, what, the cage, or as in the, as if, in, if Braun wins, they yeah. get to add a fifth member. Yeah, if Braun wins, add a fifth member. If Braun loses, Braun's out. Yeah, and that was essentially what Miz was getting at. He was saying that, um, you know, with um, the Shield saying, I'll take on so many people. Why don't we add another person to Miz's team? Um, that came later in the night, didn't it? During the Miz, the Miz TV segment with, with Braun Strowman. I thought it was a, an odd guest for Miz TV. Um, not your typical chat show guest. <laughs> no, not really. Um, so, yeah. So, that first segment, I thought it was actually quite enjoyable. And, it you know, it didn't overstay its welcome. It sort of went on for a, a decent amount of time. And it got the point across. And it kind of built the, for the rest of the show. So... You know, fairly successful. Yeah, it didn't go on too long. It set up two major angles, but also Kurt saying from both matches that you're all banned from ringside as well. So Yeah, because that went well, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll get on to that. <laughs> okay, so yeah, after that, um, everyone just went back, back to <laughs> the backstage, which was fine. Uh, and when Raw came back, we had well, Elias and the club. Gallows and Anderson in the ring with him, ready for Elias to perform another song. Um, Aiden, just what was going on? I'm really not sure. Um, so Elias was meant to perform his song, but the club kind of said, look, do you mind if we sing this week? And he was like, yeah, go for it. And it was just 
odd. I, this this was an example of something that went on for a bit too long. Both Gallows and Anderson doing their kind of vocal warm-ups in very weird ways. And it's just, yeah, I didn't like it. I, I, I've, li- I've loved the Liars so far, and I thought they gave them a really bad... And I, I do like the club as well, and I feel like they've just given them bad material today, or this week. It was just a bit odd, wasn't it? it was, I mean, I meant to believe that Luke Gallows and... Well, Luke Gallows specifically, but Carl Anderson as well are this badass tag team who ripped up Japan and, um, you know, and they're former tag team champions in the WWE as well since they got back, and or well, since they came to, I should say. Um, and then they get given material like this, which, you know, just... I know that Carl Anderson has a, has a great personality that doesn't really shine through, so I can understand why they might want to give the club some extra sort of comedy material, but we've all seen them do comedy before, and let's face it, that didn't go well either, did it? No, last year when they were doing the whole testicle doctors thing with the new day. Yes, it was it was terrible. Um, it was absolute bollocks. <laughs> yeah, you can say that. <laughs> to be specific, um, and it's just it just was just in a similar vein. It was rubbish. It was it was. I don't want to see the club doing this sort of thing on Raw. Or any time, really. I mean, I'm all for them showing a bit more personality and charisma. Fine. And I really like Elias and what he's been doing. But come on, guys. <laughs> it's just... Think of something a bit better. This was just stupid. This very much felt like filler. Like, we've got these guys who have nothing to do. Let's just get them out there and put them together. Yeah, and three other guys who seemingly had nothing to do um, were their opponents. So, so this led, obviously, to a six-man six man tag. Um, so Elias and, and the club teaming against uh, Titus Worldwide founder Titus O'Neill and member Apollo Crews with Jason Jordan or JJ for Matt who's not here with us today um, just kind of a throwaway match um, you know fairly decent action to be fair but you know the opener of Raw is never really you know a barnstormer uh, so pretty standard fare really yeah, um, I had in my notes that I've never really, I didn't really think about JJ potentially being part of Titus Worldwide, and then when I thought about it a bit more, um, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but um, we'll play around banjo, <laughs> not my big black banjo. <laughs> um, but in episode two, I think it was, you asked us who do we think could benefit from being in Titus Worldwide, and the first person I said was JJ. All right, like okay, so, yeah. Like, I I had thought that I oh I I never thought about it. this. This could be good. And then when thinking about it a bit further, I'd actually mentioned it previously, and it could it could be a potential good potential for him, give him some kind of mouthpiece or someone to work with and bounce off. Whilst I agree, you've clearly been diving through the archives, though. I mean, come on, how do you remember which episode that was? All I remember is because of. We're gonna full disclosure here. We feel we record in two locations, and I remember it being in this house, and it was the first house that we recorded in, and we've only done two episodes here. So, fair enough. I'll let you off, but um, yeah, you know, it's probably a really valid point. I think when I saw that Jason Jordan was coming out with Titus and and Apollo, I thought, you know, I wouldn't be against seeing this more more often. I think he matches. Um, I don't know where that would like leave him with his sort of. Uh, storyline with with his his dad uh, Kurt Angle. Um, you can always park that though. 
Yeah, I think, well, to be honest, I think I should have parked it before it started, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, to be... And I'm not hating on Jason Sean because I've actually been fairly impressed with him since since the whole... Well, moved to Raw, mainly, and, and the whole Kurt Angle announcement. Uh, I just think the storyline's a bit rubbish, but... Um, yeah, I've been quite impressed with him, and he looked quite impressive this week. Um, they're obviously still got a fair bit invested in him, and they do obviously try and make him look strong um, against whoever he's up against uh, and he looks strong here and um he was a, a major part in helping his team actually pick up the win so uh, a little bit disappointed to see elias on the losing side uh, but i think it's carl anderson who who took the pinfall and so no real damage done to him you know, he's obviously on an impressive singles run at the moment in terms of winning streak anyway not necessarily against opponents um so yeah um a fairly decent match and one notable point from this match yeah, so um, social media's been buzzing all week about the uh, introduction and debut of a new feature we've got here, as uh, as we mentioned on last week's episode, um, a new feature we like to call... Tell me, he didn't just say that. So, this week's uh, Tell Me He Didn't Just Say That moment, the debut moment, comes from this very match, where Booker T says, You've got to give it to Elias. He started out here as a mid-card guy, but is working his way to the main event. And he says this during a throwaway six-man tag with the club versus JJ and Titus Worldwide. I don't know about you, but I don't really class that as the main event scene. Do you? Do you not? Uh, no. I mean, we're talking <laughs> we're talking Titus O'Neil here, who has long been at the top of the card in WWE. <laughs> Uh, and Apollo Crews has won so many matches since he joined from NXT, you know? Um, of course I'm kidding. You're right. It's ridiculous comment by Booker T, who, who single-handedly managed to contradict himself about 100 times on Raw this week and every other week, to be fair. Another um, another moment from this match, a clo- uh, one of the top comments was um, that he um, wasn't in... Impressed, like he wanted to see what JJ was like with other people backing him up because he hasn't been impressed with his singles run so far in matches where he's pushed John Cena and Roman Reigns and Finn Balor to the limits and stuff like that. And I just think it's like he doesn't know what he's saying. Like he doesn't have an idea what he's going to say when he starts it. He just rambles and words just come out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it's like he hasn't. It's like he's. Like you say, he doesn't really process what he's saying. It's like he said stuff one week and has completely disregarded it the next. And then the next week he'll go on to, to repeat himself for the, you know, what he said on the first week. And it's, you know, a, there needs to be some continuity here. I mean, we've seen, um, incidentally, Michael Cole twice this week on WWE programming. As much as I've never really been Michael Cole's biggest fan, you'd never get him uh, making these sort of not mistakes, but these sort of basic continuity errors. Yeah, what does make me laugh, though, with Booker is how he validates most of his points by saying, you gotta love it, man. <laughs> like, what does that even mean? Just everything he says, he follows it with that. And then you go, all right, yeah, fair enough. Or 2017, man. <laughs> uh, he's, uh, he's a very odd man. He's just a very strange man. This was never supposed to go on this long, this book of tea. Six weeks, they kept saying at the start. Where's David Otunga? To be fair, he is. Although he is crazy and he is old, I probably 
would prefer Booker T. I can't think of who else they could use, and Booker T adds a bit more legitimacy as a as an ex wrestler. He's more well known than David Otunga, and mainstream audience never really saw Corey Graves wrestle, so he's the next best thing or best next best option, really. I guess so. that's a scary thought, isn't it? Booker T being the best of anything at commentating, you know. I'm sure he's a lovely guy, and he was a great wrestler, but yeah, just not, just not feeling it, Booker. Um, can you dig that, sucker? Tell me he didn't just say that. All right, moving on swiftly. Um, onto a segment I actually enjoyed and then didn't enjoy within the space of about two minutes. Um, so the cruiserweights. So. Firstly, we had a cruiserweight. Some of the cruiserweights. Some of the cruiserweights, yeah. Um, we had a another. Was it a tag team match? It was a tag team match, wasn't it? No, no, it was. Oh, it was a uh, Gallagher versus Alexander, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, the reason I enjoyed it was because they actually gave us some history and insight into why Jack Gallagher had turned heel. We still didn't really get a full explanation, but you know, there was at least some mention of it. Yeah. Um. So. For like a mainstream or mainstream audience who haven't watched Two Hundred Five Live, and Two Hundred Five Live is where this whole story's kind of taking place. It was a nice little two-minute package to kind of help you understand why you should now boo him rather than cheer him. Um, and, and his reasoning was kind of very similar to that of Sami Zayn's in that he was just like, "Oh, I'm tired of being a good guy because it's obviously not working." Yeah, that, that sort of seems to be a very similar story. Uh, I don't know why they didn't tell us that in the first instance, but. Um... And you also, know. also why that means he now just wrestles in his clothes rather than in his original wrestling gear, which doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me as well. Um, the reason I didn't really enjoy this match um, was partly because of that, but I just a lot of the a lot of Jack Gallagher's style is based upon a little bit of comedy, but like vicious comedy and it's quirky. It's, yeah, quirky, and but that's, a, that's like a face thing to be. When you take that away. Like, all of the impressive stuff he used to do, you know, where he used to, like, hang upside down on the, on the turnbuckle and, like, stick his leg out to stop people. And even, like, his his drop kick in the corner and things like that, that sort of seems to have gone, which is part of his sort of appeal because he makes him different. And now when he's a bad guy with Kendrick, he just kind of looks like any other wrestler. Like, he obviously doesn't look like them because he's dressed differently and has a very distinctive look. But his style in the ring... I think suffers from him being the bad guy more so than it does as a good guy. Yeah, his, his ring style's definitely changed, and even since the beginning of the well, since the Cruiserweight Classic and the beginning of like Two Hundred Five Live, he, de- he used to kind of his technical wrestling. He would literally like wrap people up a bit more, and he was constantly focusing on joints and limbs and stuff. Um, he doesn't seem to do that as much. Um, like at the moment, he's seemingly more of a kind of vicious heel and i think they mentioned his like mma background and stuff um which is fair enough makes him seem legit but a lot of a lot of the stuff which made him different like his technical wrestling or the stuff in the corner is yeah gone and also possibly a second contender for our uh booker t segment in this match where uh booker said that gallagher learned some of his mma style from the streets uh, Michael Cole quickly retorted and said that he doesn't think Jack Gallagher learned anything from the streets. And then Booker T said, "Well, you know, you learn different things from different places, man." <laughs> yeah, what well, I don't even know if it's the different places or if he said you learn different things at different times. Yeah, something like that. I mean, thanks for the insight, Booker. <laughs> we said the 
the mean streets of Wigan <laughs> that uh, Jack Gallagher grew up on. Have you ever been to Wigan? I've never been to Wigan, but it's not somewhere I want to go, <laughs> but I can't imagine it's anywhere near the kind of the the streets or the hoods of of America. I mean, it's a little bit rough, but I don't think it's the uh, I don't think it's the ghetto. No, not at all. <laughs> um, but, but actually, what I should bookmark or bookend this with, sorry, bookers, do we finish it there? Um, was actually the end of the match. I thought I love Cedric Alexander's finishing move. I think it looks so great, and Jack Gallagher sold it so well. I thought it was really, really impressive. It's one of those moves because obviously, not everyone in the crowd really knows Cedric Alexander either, and it's one of those moves where when he hits it, people literally go like, "Oh my god!" Like, yeah, there wasn't there was an audible like oh, from the crowd <laughs> when he did it, um, just mainly because of the way I think Jack Gallagher sold it. He bounced back up, didn't he, off the knees? Um, it just looked really impressive. There's a um, a video going around. It's been going around for ages now. Don't know if you've seen it from uh, from his indie days where. Uh, uh, Cedric Alexander does that move to Candice LeRae and she's obviously like a um, she's a lot smaller female so he picks her up and does a lumbar check and she literally goes flying about three quarters of the way across the room at like, uh, of the ring at like six feet in the air and everyone in the crowd goes nuts <laughs> so all the captions I've seen are just ridiculous little captions like when she doesn't make you a sandwich or anything like that <laughs> yeah I, have, I think I've seen that actually on Twitter and it does silly things like that always make me laugh to be fair um but i i said this a couple weeks ago i i want to see more uh i want to see more cedric maybe if i watched 205 i would but i want to see him in the title feud just because his in-ring stuff is so impressive like even the lumbar check and also that elbow he does beforehand where he spins him and hits him inside the head with the elbow where there's always a loud connection and you can hear people like ow <laughs> um he's just very crisp yeah um, um he's obviously very very talented in the ring and he used to be a lot larger um they kept mentioning during the cruiserweight classic how he cut down about 30 pounds just to be in the cruiserweight thing so def- this i don't know what he was like before but i can imagine this suits him a lot better than than being 240 pounds or so yeah i mean <laughs> With all due respect to Cedric Alexander, he, there isn't anything that, that would distinguish him uh, from the other heavyweights if he was in that division. Um, I'm not certain there's a whole lot that distinguish him, distinguishes him from the other cruiserweights at the moment. I really rate him in the ring, though. I just, yeah, as you say, I want to see more of him. You know, I want to see more of what Cedric Alexander is actually about. I want to see him and most of the cruiserweights, to be fair, which we started to get when Neville was champion. Um, have lengthy matches um it's like the match between cedric alexander and kota Ibushi from the cruiserweight classic was incredible to the point where people when triple h came out after to shake his hand everyone was saying please sign cedric so i would love i would like to see more lengthy match and when when given the chance they've been good things like neville versus um gallagher at i think it was fast lane or something um Neville versus Rich Swan and all those matches, they were all great matches. Yeah, uh, I think I don't think anyone's doubting that the cruiserweights can deliver great matches if they get given the opportunity, and they just haven't really been given those opportunities. We've listed some just then, um, but that's all, you know, there's few and far between, really, those matches. And they really deserve more time than they're getting, but I think we're just you know, flogging a dead, dead horse with, with this one. We can say this every week, and I think we will do for a 
for a long time until something changes with the cruiserweight division. It does need a major overhaul. I know it's only really a, a new division, um, obviously not new in terms of history, but just recent creation in, in the WWE, or this incarnation anyway. Um, it's just... Uh, I've got a lot of problems with it, with the cruiserweight division at the moment. Obviously, the issues which have been which have arisen with Neville, we're still not sure actually what the actual official situation is with Neville and WWE at the moment. Um, hopefully, they reach a resolution and Neville doesn't walk away, because um, that would be a massive, massive loss for not just the division but the whole company. Um, but if he does walk away, the cruiserweight division is is really sort of it's got no one to carry it and i know that they're they're focusing a lot on enzo and we'll get on to enzo uh, probably after this but um you know who who else neville was the only credible candidate to carry that cruiserweight division and he did really really well yeah and there was um reports from our show over the week that enzo kind of confirmed maybe that neville had gone he was cutting a promo on whoever he was facing before the match and basically said um i made like I won. I won the cruiserweight title. I made Neville leave, so I'll make short work of you. Something along those lines. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I mean, I re- we've said it before. We said it last week when we when we discussed the news, but we just really, really hope it doesn't happen. Uh, but I'm <laughs> the more that goes, the longer it goes on, and the less we hear from people, the more I think, yeah, we're not going to get a positive resolution out of this one. No, I would like to see him stay, but I think it's more likely that he's going to be gone so big shame but if you're a fan of indie wrestling there's a lot of potential dream matches out there so silver linings yeah i guess so and a great for neville if he can make it work outside of wwe hey we've seen other people make it work and then return so yeah um there there was a tweet from austin aries where a couple days ago where he said the last six weeks of quote bingo halls has um, drawn him more money than the last four months of his big-time contract. So obviously, what he's hinting at, by the looks of things, is that his last six weeks of wrestling indie shows has actually got him more money than his four months of, or last four months of being in WWE. Which would be a big surprise for me. I mean, I don't claim to know the inner workings of WWE and their finances and how they pay their, their talent and stuff. Uh, but it would be a big shock to, to hear, to have that sort of said. Um, one thing I have um, heard recently about the whole Neville situation, and it goes back to Austin Aries as well, was the the fact that their WrestleMania pre-show match was left off of the official WWE WrestleMania uh, DVD uh, completely, which means that neither of them can earn any royalties from that event, which might tie into some of that stuff with Austin Aries about his, you know, his his paychecks from the last few months of his wwe run not being so well and um, so great um because he's not getting the royalties from that dvd which obviously would sell massively around the world uh, and maybe that was you know part of what neville was is thinking as well um seems a bit weird that that match was cut i mean obviously it was the first it was the curtain raiser on the pre-show but it was still a really good match and surely they, the wwe can find time to stick it on the dvd yeah that seems a bit silly to me i didn't know that um it's been one of the better cruiserweight matches since the return of the division, so, and it just doesn't make sense to me that they would leave that off. Um, but there, yeah, there's been just a couple things going around about how um, these two guys, especially leaving, 
could be the catalyst for a few more who are unhappy. Someone like I think um, Heath Slater was one of the examples given. Um, and a lot of guys are apparently um, going seeking advice from Cody Rhodes because he's done so well for himself. Where he even considers he's put out a video this week saying he considers himself as the biggest draw in wrestling. Um, Which I dispute, by the way. As did Roman Reigns. <laughs> um, but apparently quite a few WWE guys who are unhappy with their positions are kind of putting their case together and seeking advice from people like Cody who've gone on to do better outside than they did inside. Well, listen, I, I'm all for guys furthering themselves and want the people who haven't been given a chance to go show what they can actually do. But eventually you want them to come back because WWE is where it's at. It's where you know they're going to get to be showcased in front of the whole entire world um, on so many shows, uh, even house shows, which are brilliant, great large audiences most of the time apart from smackdown ones so yeah you'd want them to be showcased on that stage not the smaller independent stage but if that's what they need to do to get ahead later on then you know fair dues if if, if they want to go and do that um hopefully wwe can start utilizing some of these guys a little bit more and a little bit better but at the moment it's very difficult to see where a lot of these guys and never aside because i don't Neville was too good to, to not be utilised by WWE. And he was being utilised. Maybe not in the correct way. But but guys like you, like you mentioned with Heath Slater. It's very difficult to see where they fit in at the moment. We've got so many hours of TV uh, and pay-per-views and, and everything else. Um, of WWE programming each week. Why? You know, there's no room for them. Even on, you know, with, with that many hours. Yeah, and... Um, you get guys who just literally don't appear on TV for weeks on end or even months. That, like People like Heath Slater and Rhino at the moment uh, couldn't be any more irrelevant. Yeah, and as much as I hate to, you know, sort of big them up a little bit, someone like R-Truth or, or Goldust, who Goldust was gaining a little bit of traction. And we haven't seen him <laughs> for weeks. <laughs> no, no, it's a bit. But we had this the moment where he randomly beat up Finn Balor and he had a match with him, and he's not been seen since. So that random spout of intensity was squashed. Yeah, I just, I just don't really, um, you know, why WWE can't utilize these guys a little bit more. I'm not sure, but you know, thinking about it, where would they fit in? Unless you cut down the the, the length of every other Raw segment drastically, you're not going to fit them in. Unless you throw them all in together. And let's face it, if you're going to do that, then might as well leave them out altogether because they're not going to get any attention from a multi-man you know a 10-man match or anything like that and no one really wants to see that so you know a bit of a pickle for wwe to really think about how to utilize these guys hopefully they start to uh, to be a little bit better at it you know mainly for the for the talent's sake and for ours really because there are some really really talented guys who we're just not really seeing much of um, all right, moving on. We spent we always spend a lot of time on the cruiserweight section, don't we? It's just, we spend more time on talking about cruiserweights than WWE actually do showing them. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so on to the Miz TV segment then. So Miz TV was obviously hosted by the Miz. It was joined by the Bar in the Ring and Curtis Axel, who the crowd the crowd were crazy for. Yeah, this was weird. The crowd like it wasn't even like it was in his hometown or anything. It was. Nowhere near. It's <laughs> just really random. I kind of thought, I was like, well, are they being ironic? Like, are they like trying to steal the show a little bit? Just do something 
odd by cheering for someone like Curtis Axel, who could probably fit into that bracket of guys we've just been talking about. Yeah. Um, but no, they were, they were all over him. They were chanting his name. They loved him. Yeah, and it wasn't like, oh, we're bored. Let's just chant something. It was legitimately like, oh, Curtis Axel's here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I have no idea why. But, you know, you know, each to their own. Um, so Miz's guest was Braun Strowman um, on Miz TV. Really memorable came out of this, other than other than the Miz speaking to Kurt Angle. Well, what brought Kurt Angle out? Do you remember? Um, was it Miz running? I don't can't remember. I think it was Miz saying that that they should be able to add a. Well, he was going to announce a fifth member of his team, wasn't he? Oh yeah, he was going to announce, and everyone thought it was going to be Curtis Axel. Um, before he could get there, he interrupted and said, "No, no, no." <laughs> yeah, that was it. Um. So Miz basically pleaded with Kurt Angle to say that, you know, if Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns think that the Shield can take on so many people, why not let them prove it? And so add another member. And so we all assumed he was going to add Curtis Axel. Um, Kurt Angle cut him off and said the only way that would happen is, in fact, no, what did he say? It wasn't going to be a five versus three match. And if Braun didn't beat Roman in the steel cage match, then Braun would be out of the team. But if he did... Was he going to let them add a fifth member? Did he clarify that point? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so yeah. So Braun won. He was going to add a fifth member to the team. If he lost, Braun was out, and it would be a three versus three, which was the original plan. So so yeah, that was the gist of Miss TV, really. Nothing really eventful happened aside from that, right? No, it was quite a short one. Um, Just a quick point on Miss on TV at the moment. I know, obviously, Maurice is um, pregnant. Congratulations to them. Um, so I'm assuming she's just not working for the entirety of her pregnancy and after the birth. But she does, even though she doesn't say or do much, she could, does add a bit to the Miz's sort of uh, allure, if you will. She makes you hate him more by simply being with him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's I think that's what it is. And the fact that he can just turn around and be like, well, I've got Maurice and then can just kiss her in front of 16,000 people. Yeah, I think she is actually a heat magnet. Um, and I know... I don't know if the Miz is missing that at the moment, um, especially you know when they're it's quite a big story. And they've kind of involved them in in WWE programming with the with the pregnancy storyline. They've mentioned it, and Miz continues to mention his unborn child. So yeah, I thought I think Maurice is is a bit of a miss for the Miz. Um, but yeah, just a just a, a sidetracked thought there. Moving on then to what was next? So Alicia Fox. <laughs> and Sasha Banks, um, Alicia, what's going on with Alicia Fox? Obviously, we've seen this before from her. She's doing the whole crazy lady gimmick. Um, she had a match with Sasha, which she which she lost as a rematch from their match. I think it was last week, anyway. Where part of the five woman match? That was it. Yeah. So uh, Sasha made Alicia tap last week with the with the bank statement. To which Alicia said that she was just scratching her nose, and the referee thought she was tapping, even though the replay the replay clearly showed really her tapping showed. the mat. <laughs> she was tapping. It ended in the same way this week for them. Although Sasha didn't come out unscathed, she took a pretty nasty. Uh, well, I don't really know how it happened. I think it was an elbow by Alicia, and took a pretty nasty cut to her face. Uh, she had blood. I don't know if it was from her mouth or from her nose, but it was all over the smeared over the side of her face as she was leaving the ring. Um, so that looked a pretty nasty one, so hopefully she's all right. Um, 
It wasn't all right <laughs> after the match, though. Well, pretty much immediately after. So she was was she interviewed by Renee? Was it Renee? She was Charlie in, or Char- Caruso. Charlie Caruso. And Alicia viciously attacked her from behind. Now this actually genuinely looked like it was going to hurt. To be fair, most of the kind of bumps that Sasha take look like they uh, generally hurt anyway. She, <laughs> whether that be by design or not. Yeah, I don't know if she's. Maybe she's intentionally doing that, which is you know great to see, but perhaps not so great to see, and not the great for her to feel. I mean, tone it down a little bit, Sasha. <laughs> So, so what made me and I think most of the people in the audience and watching laugh was uh, a referee comes in. Hey, hey, you, you can't do that. Don't attack her. And then Alicia pushes the referee over. And he's like, he falls over and goes, hey, you can't do that. I'm a referee. <laughs> <laughs> like anybody has ever listened to, <laughs> to that rule. Yeah, at least he didn't like. At least he didn't go down and was down for ten minutes and needed medical attention like they used to. Well, I mean, he didn't get back up. No, <laughs> to be fair. But so Alicia Fox playing this whole crazy lady thing. I mean, at least she's doing something. Uh, and did you see she got her T-shirt by the way? I didn't see that. That's just what I was about to mention. How the whole kind of thing is. She's been here ten years. She gets no respect. She doesn't even have a T-shirt. And everyone has a T-shirt these days, even. Cesaro gets his t-shirt for his <laughs> for, for his lack of teeth yeah um which I can't believe they sold by the way and <laughs> so I was thinking the other day um they'll make a t-shirt out of anything right um but even things like um when beginning of last year when Chris Jericho and AJ Styles teamed up they made Y2AJ shirts knowing fully well in advance that they were only going to team for about two weeks and then split up. <laughs> so they were like, well, we might as well make these and get some money off it. Yeah. Um, so they, they'll just they'll sell anything they will. So. But who's buying these T-shirts, really? I mean, someone must be in order for them to keep selling them. But really, who's buying I mean, I, I don't know. Who would have bought a, a Y2AJ T-shirt? As much as I love both of those guys, who was going to buy that T-shirt? It just seems a bit silly. If I was a wrestler and I had my own shirt out, I'd buy like 50 of them and just hand them around. <laughs> so you, you do realise you're just eating into your own profits then? You've got to get the numbers up, don't you? So they go, oh, this shirt's selling. We'll continue making him some merch. Right, okay. I think your logic's a little bit flawed there, but you know. Speculate to accumulate, maybe. Is that, is that what you're saying? Pretty much. <laughs> um, right, we'll move on from that one because, you know, Alicia Fox isn't worth dwelling on. Um... More cruiserweights. Now, I actually semi-enjoyed this segment with Enzo. I thought he was really, really good on the mic. I really loved the fact that when he was getting booed, he, I don't know if it was ad-libbed or not, or whether they expected him to get so many boos, but um, I loved the way he said, I can hear lots of boos, which must mean you're wondering, where's my boo? <laughs> and by boo, I mean cruiserweight title. I just thought that was really clever. Yeah, he can do lines like that, but then he also does a lot of lines, especially being an English person where you just go what what <laughs> yeah a lot of, a lot of what he's going a lot of his shtick i don't really like, get as an english person what on earth is a fugazi <laughs> i'm like I'm, I'm guessing it means some like it's a derogatory term to someone is it is it but is an actual thing i have no idea and uh, i feel like outside of new york or whatever or new jersey it's also not a thing <laughs> so saying it to a mexican wrestler doesn't mean anything yeah, it's obviously something something in Italian, which is pretty derogatory. I'll try and learn what it is for you next week, and then maybe I'll start calling you a Matt Fugazi um, and not let you in on what it actually means. 
Although you, you obviously have Google, so you could probably just do that yourself. But yeah, Renzo essentially managed to come out as a semi-heel and leave as a full-blown heel. This was essentially a heel turn from Enzo, although it's, you know, sort of been a slow burn on it for the last three or four weeks. Yeah, I think it's actually been quite well done. It wouldn't have made sense necessarily to have him go full-blown heel in, in just the space of one night or whatever especially if they were going to do it on say 205 live when not everyone watches um so to to have like a a display in front on monday night raw in front of everyone to say look he's now obviously a heel it's probably the best way to do it to get the most booze out of him yeah and i thought wwe really did a really good job with that actually because enzo entered to you know a fair amount of booze but still some cheers and left pretty much to full-blown booze. So, and that's what WWE are after when they when they do things like this. And that's that's the reaction they want. And they got it. Uh, the crowd were sort of eating it all up. Um, Hard to get booze these days. Yeah, it is. Uh, unless you're Roman Reigns. Yeah, well, yeah. Then you wake up and get booed. <laughs> uh, you wake up and get booed. If, I think if Matt was anywhere within the vicinity of Roman Reigns the booing would be so loud that Roman wouldn't even be able to get to sleep, let alone wake up. I, yeah, poor guy. I feel sorry for him. Like, he's trying his best. Just let him, just just cheer him. This is, I'm, I'm going to go on for a little bit of a tangent. I'm conscious of time. But people who boo Roman Reigns and hate him so much, and if there are any of you who are listening, what do you want to happen out of it? Do you want Roman to retire? Like, he's, he's a young guy at the, the peak of his career. Are you saying he's so terrible a wrestler that you don't want him to be a wrestler anymore? No. No, we just want him to be a bad guy. And then we can boo him, but then kind of cheer him because he'll be quite cool. And then when he turns face, he'll be even bigger face. Like, I've never understood that logic. <laughs> I've never, never got that. I mean... It worked for The Rock, but The Rock was The Rock. That's why it worked. It didn't work because WWE booked him that way. We can mention The Rock this week because Matt's not here. We can. Rock, 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 rock. We love The Rock here on PWP. He's one of the greatest of all time. All three of the PWP members love The Rock. I can I can 100% say that as a team of three, we all love The Rock. Don't we, Matt? Anyway, moving on. <laughs> so Enzo essentially orchestrates the attack of Kalisto, pretty much how Enzo got beat down. Yeah, so what I just wanted to say was Kalisto comes out and interrupts him. Has anyone noticed, by the way, I can't remember if I mentioned this when he first came out as a new cruiserweight, that he's come out back to his old lucha music. Did I mention that before? No, I don't. Well, I wasn't here for, for that time, but you've certainly not mentioned it to me. I, I didn't actually notice that it changed, mainly because his old, his, well, his new old music was entirely forgettable it was rubbish yeah so i'm glad they've changed it, even though i don't really like the lucha music but anyway what i didn't like about this was one of there were two things i didn't like about this he interrupted and he came out and he ran to the ring and did the whole springboard into the ring thing which made you think like where did that come from if he's supposedly interrupted hang on that was a springboard you mean he doesn't jump from the floor over the over the ropes and into the ring i'm giving away too much here <laughs> um you've literally just shattered my dreams so that was one of the two things that annoyed me about this. The other thing being um, Kalisto with the cruiserweight title around his waist saying he was going to walk out of TLC <laughs> as the new cruiserweight champion. I was like, what are you talking about, Kalisto? And I, I, and I kind of expected Enzo to 
put him up on that because he's the kind of guy who would, but he didn't say anything. Yeah, I was surprised he didn't. Because I'm used to seeing it now with John Cena and Roman Reigns. When Roman Reigns said something wrong, John Cena was instantly on there and he did it with a Miz as well. But it's just like, oh, Galisto, you were doing well for that first five seconds. Well, well, he wasn't even because he was doing that kind of heel thing and the completely unnecessary thing of randomly speaking in a different language. <laughs> you know, gazy. It just sort of mid-sentence as well, wasn't it? It wasn't I've, even... I've never understood that. <laughs> it's just like he, he started a, word, a sentence in English, finished it in Spanish, started a new one in English and then did the middle of that bit in Spanish and then finished it in English. It's just all over the place. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe he wasn't doing well for those first few seconds. It's never been his strongest point on the mic, though, has it been um, Kalisto with his promos. Enzo, on the other hand, really, really good on the mic, and I thought he was really good this week. But um, a whole bunch of gruiserweights who we didn't see during <laughs> earlier in the night um, attacked Kalisto or the heels uh, from behind, uh, essentially in the way that Enzo was, was attacked a few weeks back. And that's something that Enzo made a point of on the mic during the attack where he said, uh, oh, it's not funny now. When it, it's not like it was when it happened to me. You're not laughing now. Talking to the crowd, um, I think. Trying you deserve it. Yeah, I, I thought that was really quite good, actually. In the way, you deserve it. <laughs> um, so, for me, a thumbs up to Enzo for this week. I thought he really, did, really, really did well. I just thought it went on too long. Yeah, what I've seen a lot of this week is everyone saying, oh, this doesn't make sense. Why are they all with him now when they all hated him before? And I, I thought it was obvious as soon as it started happening... And they kind of made little brief mentions to it, the commentators, in that um, perhaps or seemingly there'd been some kind of pay, pay off by Enzo. And even you saw um, Davari and also Dar kind of doing like a money symbol their thing with their fingers. Um, so I would imagine, I haven't seen 205 Live, well, I imagine the story was probably Enzo might have paid these guys. Yeah, I mean, I, that's kind of what I took from it as well. I saw the money signs. Especially as he was saying how he's got all the money. Yeah, exactly. He had he has money stacked taller than Callisto. Uh, <laughs> Which I can believe, because he seems like that kind of guy who would stack his money. Yeah, he does seem like that kind of guy. Um, uh, I'm fully behind a, a heel Enzo. I just, um, I'm just interested to see where it goes with, with him, really, because uh, I'm sure this feud with Callisto isn't going to go on forever couple more things I didn't like about this was so what's his name Mustafa Ali tried to make the save um but his music hits we, all, we always hate that that always annoys me especially as his music isn't like an impactful like glass shatter music it's like a slow build kind of thing and the second thing being um the Jordanzo finishing move I don't know if I can get on board with that because it's not very impactful and it kind of takes a while to get in, and then it happens, and it's kind of like, oh, is that it? Yeah, I feel the same a little bit about that, and I hate the name as well. I don't know what it means. I'm guessing it's a play on Jaws and Jordans. And Enzo. Maybe, yeah. Some sort of uh, portmanteau, if you will. It's probably just a word he just spouted backstage one day and went, eh, yeah, that'll do. <laughs> right, something else that will do was a um, tag team title match on Raw. And a really good one. Um, well, I'm not surprised actually, because all four guys are, are, are great in ring and have and, and have great in ring chemistry. But Seth and Dean were defending against uh, the Bar, Cesaro and Sheamus, um, for you know what seems like the 500th time recently. But it doesn't seem to get old, which is the good thing. Yeah, I'm um, I'm, I'm a little glad. We'll say it quietly. But I'm a little glad that Matt's not here. <laughs> As he would just be going on about how 
seeing this match again, oh, I'm over it more. And to be fair, I could, I'm still not bored of it. They're always good. Yeah, I mean, we talk about um, the New Day and the Usos on SmackDown Live and the great chemistry that they've had and the amazing matches that they've had in the last three or four months. I don't think these four guys are quite on that level in terms of chemistry together. Uh, but individually, I think these guys are, are amazing. Uh, so together, in two teams, they, they work really, really well. And uh, credit to Cesaro for competing because I we spoke about his injuries last week to his mouth. I still can't get over how ridiculous it is that his teeth went up five millimetres into his jaw. Uh, I don't understand. I, I know, obviously, he has to wrestle with the the mouth guard on but i don't know why he has to speak with it yeah, on as well yeah. why why are you like, letting him speak with him out he just sounds ridiculous just, just don't have him speak let's just let seamus do the speaking or have him speak without the mouth guard it's just a bit odd yeah I, i'd maybe I, I don't know maybe if he doesn't want to be seen without the mouth guard because he looks so ridiculous but um i would imagine he probably looks all right now because he's had surgery on it as i mentioned it's probably there's probably a lot of swelling and stitches and i don't know i'm not sure um we'll we'll see probably um he probably it might even be a mental thing with cesaro about the, the gum shield you know if you especially if, as a wrestler you don't want to uh have your mouth your teeth exposed when you've just had surgery on them like that a lot of people wouldn't be back yet after surgery like that um what i did like was during this match how they um they played up to when ambrose put him in the slingshot position um it was like and michael cole i think said as well like oh like this is the same the same thing that happened before so i like that they kind of played way back to that and made that a thing yeah i thought that was quite good and the match itself i really really enjoyed um i really enjoy seth and dean together as the shield uh in their old attire um it just it just felt a little bit fresher and a bit different uh this week with them with them like that uh cesaro and sheamus played their part but ultimately came up short uh and you know the shield retains uh, and obviously that's a smart thing to do going into the pay-per-view on sunday to keep the shields momentum going you don't really want to see them drop the titles to cesaro and sheamus yeah no, that wouldn't make sense uh so the shield retained so yeah good match on raw for the tag team titles now moving on i don't want to dwell on this because i don't want to sound too negative because i really like finn balor but again for the second time in raw this week Aiden, what's going on? They've Why? turned they made him into Tigger. I'm coming for you, Tigger. Um <laughs> Why oh why was this promo done in the ring? Yeah, why was it on the ring? Because how confused would you be as a live audience member at this in this situation? Essentially what happened was Finn was in the ring and when he was talking about bringing out the demon he moved closer to the camera, stuck his face into the camera, and then we at home saw a special effect, which essentially turned him into Tigger, but it's meant to make him look like some menacing demon. I think maybe it's pumpkin-themed. Maybe, but there's essentially a lot of black and orange, which... Um, Tribute to Taz. <laughs> I don't think so. But, you know, why? Just why? If he's going to be the demon, let him be the normal demon. And I'm sure he'll look impressive on Sunday but it just looked a bit ridiculous. Yeah, I just do this backstage, do the whole promo backstage. There's no need, like, there was no kind of interruption by Wyatt or anything, so there was literally no need for him to come out to the ring and do this, and especially if you're going to do the whole cut his face to to reveal the, the face paint and stuff back and forth. 
don't yeah don't do it in the ring because if you're in the crowd watching it just probably looks stupid <laughs> and it, it it didn't look any better from from the tv and it was, this was annoying because i've been trying to justify that i think this has been a good angle for the last have a couple of weeks and i think everyone was running down the sister, sister abigail stuff for the last two weeks but i think this was worse yep it was absolutely terrible so we'll probably just move on from it hopefully the match on sunday will be good but i sense it will probably be a little bit shit i wish it had some kind of um stip make it a chairs uh, or a tables match or something just because we've only got the one tlc match and this is the third pay-per-view match running and you would expect maybe this could be the rubber match that might require some kind of but it wouldn't really be a rubber match because finn's won both of them isn't he correct and I'm, I'm assuming he'll win this one although if, if wwe are going forward to you know fully behind this whole sister abigail thing then bray wyatt needs to win yeah, can't have him lose. No. So that kind of brings us on to the main event, doesn't it? Yep. And Braun versus Roman. Strowman Roman in a steel cage. Again, we've not actually seen this match. We've seen so many matches with them, so many stipulations, but not this one. Um, and I thought it did okay. I thought it was a little bit disappointing. And the ending, it just baffled me. Yeah. Um I do like now, and I suppose it's been that way for the last couple of months, that Braun Strowman definitely feels like a legitimate main eventer. Like yeah, he, could, he definitely he does. Could main event any Raw. But a lot of shenanigans, unnecessary shenanigans, I think. Well, you consider that, that Kurt Angle previously in the night had banned everyone from ringside. Uh, and Cesaro and Sheamus made their way down to the ring well, before... to interfere. Before that, we had Miz just turned up well, at the announce table, who so happened to have a chair and a headset. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, as Roman's about to exit, the bar climb up and interrupt. And then they're almost immediately greeted by the Shield as if the bar had gone backstage and said, we're going to go out now, <laughs> and told the Shield. And the Shield were like, no way, and then chased them because there was no way they were going to got there so quickly. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, this brawl ensued, which went all the way to the back. And then the Miz shut them out of the arena. <laughs> shut them out of the arena. Or but they could have just come back in through the front door. I don't even think they were outside the arena. I think they were just the other side of an electric door. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit weird. Um, Miz basically what did he, pulled down the shutters, didn't he, on like a sliding door. And then pulled uh, a really creepy face. It was pretty creepy. A little bit of overacting, I thought, there. Um, By the Miz. Yeah. Um, but I thought, um, like, the the way this played out and kind of thought that the Miz would make his way back to the ring and get into the cage and help Braun beat up Roman uh, but then that wouldn't really work with the Miz's character he wouldn't be the sort of person to do I, that I didn't want him to come back on commentary after that but he did I would have... yeah I thought it was a bit weird that he came back on commentary uh, yeah I probably would have rather him just stay backstage um, so essentially Roman looked like he was going to win the match but um, then he was attacked by Kane yeah. What? That's got to be Kane. It was Kane, and I have no no earthly understanding of why it did have to be Kane. Because last I heard, Kane was running for mayor of Knoxville, Tennessee, or Knoxville County, Tennessee. I don't know how well that's going, or if there's been any elections or whatever. Um, but I certainly he was certainly not on my radar as someone who would be returning, and certainly not someone who'd be returning to Raw, considering he's a SmackDown talent. And not someone who'd be returning as a heel, attacking Roman Reigns. Yeah, so what I'd um, 
what I read or heard on PW Insider was that um, literally nobody knew about this apart from the guys kind of in the angle and the guys who made the angle. So much so that they even flew him out and had him stay in a, in a neighbouring city uh, to Portland and had him drive to have him go over to the event during the show. Um, so he wasn't even kind of there at the start because they obviously wanted to keep this as a secret. Apparently, even in the last kind of week to 10 days, he'd been um, training over in the performance center, but he'd been training during the hours that it was shut. So it's like, it, it was seemingly, it, it wasn't like a um, randomly thrown together plan. It was something that had been planned in advance, um, something they desperately wanted to keep secret. Well, I'm all for them keeping secrets. Which because... they've done quite well because nobody predicted it. Yeah, I, I certainly didn't predict it. I don't know anybody else who thought it came was returning on this Raw. Um, I, I just don't really get it. Hopefully we'll get some sort of explanation. But it seems like he's forming an alliance with Braun. I would imagine it's probably something to do with the whole Roman retiring Undertaker thing or supposedly retiring Undertaker thing. But that's a very tenuous thing. I mean, Kane and the Undertaker... Obviously, storyline brothers, but very little mention of each other throughout the last 10 years, really. Um, other than the, just the occasional teaming up against the Wyatts like they did at Survivor Series a few years back. But if Kane feels so strongly about Roman retiring his brother, um, you know... Why has I'd... he not come back six months ago? <laughs> exactly. Why didn't he help the Undertaker win at WrestleMania if he felt that strongly about it, you know? Because he was on the kickoff show in the Andre the Giant Memorial. Well, then he was at the show. He could have been in the last match. You he know, can't wrestle two matches at WrestleMania. Not Seth Rollins. It just it just doesn't make any sense to me. And hopefully we'll get an explanation. But we don't have any time for an explanation because the match is on Sunday and Kane's been added to it. Yeah. Because um, Braun won the match because of Kane's interference. We should add that in there. Yeah. So Kane's music hit just before Roman was going to hit a spear. Um, and the match kind of continued for a bit, so the lights were all red, the music was going on, and everyone was like, what's going on? But the match was still continued for a little bit, and I thought that was a little bit weird. And then he comes up from under the ring, which is something we've seen him do a lot. Um, but I just worry about this match potentially being a bit of a cluster, because there's eight guys in this match, and what I thought was going to happen before this week's Raw was that it's going to be a three-on-four and obviously Braun was going to be taken out by some kind of big move through multiple tables or whatever, and then it'd be three on three. That's how I envisioned this going. But now this being three on five... What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now you've got Kane thrown in the mix. Uh, how do they get rid of him? Like Obviously, when Kane has a, you know, part of a big return, you want to keep Kane strong. Is he going to... Is he going to run through the shield? Like, with Braun who we've seen destroy, like, Brock Lesnar and Samoa Joe and, and Roman himself. Exactly. So you've got... F seemingly the point of this match is to get the shield over again. But then at the same time, they're against five guys and five, like, former tag team champions, current Intercontinental champion, the legend, and Braun Strowman. So if those five guys had to come out on the losing end, then what does that do for them? Exactly. I mean, it obviously does mar mar marvellous things for the Shield, but it's a terrible thing for the rest of them. And, there's, and then uh, what does it uh, do for the Shield? And what does it do for the Shield if they lose? Yeah. Which yeah. they should do. 
did you um i personally didn't until i was reading afterwards but did you think that maybe the fifth man could have been samoa joe that's who i thought at the time because samoa joe is out with an injury and at the time i think they said that he was going to be out for about four to six weeks i believe it's now been what eight weeks seven seven or eight weeks yeah it was only about a week after SummerSlam which has been two months now so, so yeah I've, it's been a while longer than wwe had uh, scheduled that's for sure so samoa joe was someone i sort of thought yeah i think he could be added to that team and uh, i would have liked to have seen that to be there much more than than kane um, and it would have made some sort of sense with you know he'd been feuding with roman and and all of that um and obviously he's a heel on raw which may, automatically makes it more plausible than a, a face from smackdown um, but you know, not to be. We've got Kane instead. Hey ho. So that was Raw then. Um, some ups, a fair few downs, a little bit of ridiculousness throughout. Sort of each sort of hour of the show, there was a really confusing part. But you know, as a go home show, probably not the the greatest. And I'm not expecting huge things. We've actually missed our match here, haven't we? The women's tag team match with Alexa and um, oh, yes. Alexa. And Emma against Mickey James and Bailey, but it was it was a very passable match, and Alexa took the pin. She uh, she got pinned by Mickey James, which hopefully doesn't happen on Sunday. Um, but we're not going to dwell on that one. What I think we'll do is probably just move on to SmackDown Live. So, SmackDown from uh, Seattle, Washington, somewhere I've just been, by the way. Um, really, really enjoyed it. Would recommend going to Seattle if you can get there. Michael Cole called it one of the most beautiful cities in the United States. Yeah, it was it was nice. I quite liked it there. I thought it was really, really good fun. Um, so if you ever get to go to Seattle, um, please do it. Home of WrestleMania 19, I believe. Safe Cofield. Um, yeah. Jericho Michaels. Lesnar Angle. Lesnar Angle. Um uh triple h booker t <laughs> racist angle yes not not, not racist angle. kurt angle no <laughs> uh, he can't be racist now he's a black um, son uh <laughs> he did sleep with a black woman apparently <laughs> more booker t references um Tigger. <laughs> just to clarify that was Tigger, right yes um right okay so from seattle incidentally not the hometown but the home state and states are quite big in America, uh, of Daniel Bryan, SmackDown general manager. So <laughs> Daniel Bryan gets introduced to kick off the show and an un- unbelievable pop for Daniel Bryan, not as he came out, but as he was announced. It was it was just, uh, as he came out, it was just a sustained, like he's still so insanely popular. I know it was in his home state, but he gets such loud reactions every single week. And this week especially, it actually quite made me quite sad, because obviously he he gets these reactions, but nothing's going to come of it other than him announcing matches. And yeah. I think it was a it was a huge anticlimax, wasn't it? When he gets such a massive reaction, uh, and then it's just like, so tonight we've got a six women tag team match, which the crowd then had to be like, oh yay for. <laughs> but I just think like, because Daniel Bryan. Uh, the Shield, CM Punk, and the Wyatts—they were like the things which, when wrestling, when I didn't watch as much and it wasn't that good, they were the the things that kind of kept me in. 
and reeled me back into the level that I watch it now. Um, and it just got me, it made me like, it just got me back thinking about all the kind of Daniel Bryan matches and moments that we've had. And it just made me a little bit sad that we'll probably, more than likely, not get them again. Pretty much definitely never going to get a Daniel Bryan match in WWE again, um, which is such a shame. Because, um, as you rightly say, he's so immensely popular still, even as a GM. Um, and I know, cause I think the, the time when the Daniel Bryan uh, thing it was going on, I suppose that was the time when you really didn't, you weren't into it that much. But I was, I was fully on board the Daniel Bryan train. I was fucking marking out in my uni room every week <laughs> such a great image you a fully paid up ticketed member of the yes train i bloody loved it and like even though it was like it was cheesy it wasn't necessarily anything like too edgy um he just purely based on his kind of the fact he's such a lovable guy and his in-ring performances i was just all over daniel bryan yeah, I mean, you're right in saying that, that when Daniel Bryan sort of um, not reached the sort of crescendo, um, but when he was beginning to gain traction, I wasn't really watching at all WWE because I'd just completely lost interest from, say, 2009 onwards, essentially. Uh, I was just completely bored of it. I've been watching for... Um, how many years by that time? Probably about 16, 15, 16 years. And maybe a little bit less, 13 years. Um, and I just I could, couldn't take any, the rubbish that I was getting um, anymore. So I just stopped, completely stopped, pretty much cold turkey. But, you know, I came back and Daniel Bryan was a massive reason why. Because there was this sort of uproar and this this... Uh, sense of injustice that Daniel Bryan was being held down by the authority and um, it just was a great wrestling storyline and that's what pulled me back in it's, it's just that he was so and still is so universally popular and universally, universally liked in that you get guys who get loud reactions but a lot of them these days are kind of there's a mixed reaction there's not very many people who have like a hundred percent of the people on their side, and that's just seemingly what you got with Daniel Bryan every time, and it was great. Like for you or anyone who didn't watch at the time, I would just recommend going back and just watching. Maybe there's a Daniel Bryan collection on the network. Just go back and watch a lot of his moments, a lot of his stuff. There is, yeah, I think there is a um, Daniel Bryan moments collection on the network, which um, I've seen. A fair amount of uh, a lot of his earlier stuff I've seen, um, of which knowing what came after that, I feel a little bit shocked by because a lot of it I didn't really enjoy that much. I didn't really enjoy the Team Hell No stuff. I know that really got over with the crowd. I just thought it was a bit strange. I didn't find it as funny as a lot of people found it. Um, but stuff after that, the sort of singles run that he had, really, really put him on my map. And, um, and boosted him to the levels, maybe not to the levels of the, the stars that we had during the heyday uh, of the Attitude Era and before uh, and slightly after, um, but certainly as a, like a fresh new talent I'd never really considered as a main event star, all of a sudden being thrusted um, with a, such a huge groundswell of support behind him, uh, which you just hadn't seen for so long. 
I mean, CM Punk arguably had that. Um, the Summer of Punk was a you know an example of it, but even that wasn't enough to garner enough mainstream attention to get my attention and to bring me back in. I've only really gone back and watched the CM Punk stuff after the fact. Whereas with Daniel Bryan, it immediately made me think, hang on, this might be good again. Let me give it a try. And it was. And it's WrestleMania 30 was brilliant. The moment that he won the title. Uh, And unfortunately, it's just been downhill from there for him. But at least we had that, you know, that great ascent, uh, which provided, you know, so many memorable moments. It was a moment we very rarely had since then. Someone that everyone loves and everyone wanted to win the title actually winning the title because seemingly since then as a good guy as well yeah as a good guy because seemingly since then other than maybe the the rollins cash in at wrestlemania um i can't really think of maybe balor potentially winning the title but yeah, maybe aj styles but it was different because he yeah, won he it was, as a heel yeah. yeah and yeah it's just it was one of the last examples of that yeah, and Kevin Owens as well, when, when he won the Universal title, uh, would be a, another maybe slight example. But again, as a, as a heel, you know, as a face who's, you know, a pure face as well. Daniel Bryan was a pure face at that point. He was <laughs> such a lovely guy uh, and just a great wrestler. And I don't think we've seen that for a long time. And I don't think we will see it for a long time. I can't think of who would be the next Daniel Bryan. <laughs> well... Sammy Zayn has been my pick for the last <laughs> however many years, and then he's gone and fucked that up. Yeah, so so this moving back onto SmackDown, we've sort of drifted off there for a while, but um, Sammy Zayn, uh, well, Daniel Bryan wants to speak to Sammy Zayn. Sammy Zayn comes out and basically throws insults at Daniel Bryan. He basically reiterates what he said last week about uh, he was trying to do the, the right thing all the time and it wasn't getting him anywhere. And Kevin Owens opened his eyes and showed him that he can do things another way and get success and get noticed and that the crowd were the reason that Daniel Bryan um, made it to the main event. Um, They got behind him like they never got behind Sammy. Yeah, Sammy said that the crowd didn't uphold their end of the bargain of the unspoken contract whereby he tries his best and and smiles and does the right things and then the crowd get behind him to such a level that the people in charge have to take notice of him and that's never really happened for Sammy. Which... Is a perfectly reason- <laughs> reasonable reason. It's just so many of these in WWE and moment where the heels make perfect sense, and they you can't boo people for talking sense. Like what Sami Zayn said, he said like Danny Bryan was like, "This is the same Sami Zayn that I've known for 13 years," and he said, "Well, I'm still the same guy. I'm just slightly less inclined to make you want to cheer me," <laughs> <laughs> which you know just completely and utterly makes sense to me. So you know, can't boo the guy, um, I, but. but you, Sorry, go on. I just thought that this was um, a really good and really clever way to get heat on Sammy and make him instantly a heel. Yeah, again, put him up against Daniel Bryan in the ring. Yeah, put him up against Daniel Bryan and just have him verbally beat him down. Yeah. Calling calling him a housewife. (laughs) um, Saying that, saying, oh, we were both incredibly gifted uh, wrestlers. Well, I still am. Yeah, I thought that was the one. That was the one, wasn't it? That really made the crowd go, ooh, <laughs> and me as well when I was watching it back. <laughs> you dick. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, sorry, Sammy, you're not really a dick, but it was a dick move. Um, <laughs> but that brings Kevin Owens out, who 
essentially just continues ripping into Daniel Bryan. He calls him Mr. Bella. Mr. Bella. <laughs> which I thought Sounds was like maybe like a ice cream man or something. <laughs> Mr. Bella, um, which I thought was quite funny, but you know, still not meant to be funny. Um, yeah, it was really mean. Don't bully anyone. No, no bullying, please. Yes, stop. Um, but what that essentially led to was Daniel Bryan leaving the ring and saying he was going to go find two guys who would punch them in the face, <laughs> which. I don't know if that's... He said that quite a lot. He said, I remember when he was feuding with The Miz. Yeah. Uh, and he said, I really want to get, like, to come down to that ring and punch you in the face. And I just feel like he could probably come up with something a little bit more aggressive than that. And to be fair, although he can't wrestle, and I know he is the GM, so it'd be wrong too, but there is nothing, like, physically stopping him from punching people in the face. It's not like a concussion means you can't punch. Well, other than the fact that he's a GM of SmackDown. Yeah, other than that, other than his position... But um, I I just don't see why, like, occasionally they can't have him get physical. And not as in, like, him attacking someone like Shane did or something. Just maybe occasionally he gets hit by someone. It takes a bump by it, like, accidentally t- gets a spear or something like that. Yeah. Um, because, like, how big, how big is the risk, surely? I know. It's not... I know that obviously the injury problems are there and we don't probably know the full extent of them and why WWE won't let him compete. But I don't think it's to the same level as someone as, say, Edge, who was told if he took another bump or fell the wrong way, he would be paralysed. Uh, or Stone Cold Steve Austin, who had these neck problems and paralysis issues as well. Yeah, and from what we've heard from Daniel Bryan so often is that he's gone to so many medical experts and whatever who say he's fine. And he's he's trying to push the fact that he can wrestle somewhere else so much that surely he could take a bump or something. Yeah, or just, you know, like get have... shoved over by Kevin Owens or yeah. Sami Zayn and then get back up and push them back, you know? Like Earl Hebner used to. <laughs> yeah, exactly like Earl Hebner used to. <laughs> With Triple H all the time, where he'd just like push him against the ropes and bounce off and push him back. Oh, God love El, El Hebner. Uh, the world's <laughs> dumbest referee. Yeah. I mean, they're all pretty dumb. Um, so, yeah. That was uh, that was sort of put on the back burner as a six-woman tag team match, which was announced, um, got underway. Um, Charlotte, Becky and Naomi against Lana, Tamina and Natalia with Carmella and James Ellsworth at commentary. Um, another throwaway six six person tag team match this week, um, but the faces won. It's just this is what happens on SmackDown all the time. All the women get put in the same match or the same program, be it a fatal five way or a six pack challenge or a six person tag. They're just always all in the same thing. There's very not since the title feud and Nikki Bella versus Carmella has there really been two feuds going on at once. No, and that no. was what like end of last year so it's just give us something more i don't want to see them all in the same match every week because it's i don't care about it then yeah i can't really remember what it was um nikki versus natalia and and then we had the women so i think it was alexa, alexa and, naomi. and naomi who were feuding at the same time i think that was probably the last time that we we saw two simultaneous feuds going on in the women's division um, There's no reason why you maybe can't put Becky Lynch against Tamina and Lana. Yeah, for instance. So it just it just is annoys me because it's seemingly it's seemingly a thing with SmackDown where they just always put the women in the same match. Yeah. 
I don't know. I think they're trying to at the same same time as they want to get everyone out there. But I think they're trying to paint everyone as equal in this division, which clearly they aren't. Yeah, they're, they're trying to make it so it's like anyone, like, like Corey Graves even said, like any one of these women could be champion by the time Carmella cashes in. Yeah, like which, Lana, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Tamina, for that fact. Um, and Becky Lynch, because she just never seems to uh, get a chance. But um, yeah, the six-women tag was won by the faces. Charlotte made Lana tap out pretty much immediately, which I don't like, with the uh, figure eight. Um so yeah, um, <laughs> well, I love your notes on this next bit. Baron Corbin, US champion, um, versus Sin Cara. Or do you want to read out your notes? Yeah. Um, the fuck? <laughs> exactly. What the hell? So like, Sin Cara doesn't even get an entrance on TV, and he's even lost little wing things on his mask. It's just really weird with like a normal just standard mask and um he i liked before the match that corbin teased the uh, oh should we make this a title match and everyone's like yeah and he was like screw you guys <laughs> never doing the open challenge again i thought that was a simple but yeah. effective good heel work yeah um but not only, like so for those of you who haven't seen the match sinkara starts like a house on fire and um Throws Corbin to the outside, dives to him on the outside, dives to him again. Corbin gets counted out, and that's it. <laughs> and not like Corbin gets himself counted out. He literally couldn't make it back to the ring in time. Yeah. And after taking four or five moves. Yeah. It just was baffling. Like, are we going to go into a Sin Cara program <laughs> for the title? Because I really he doubt li- it. He's one of those guys that we mentioned earlier who haven't been on TV. I can't remember, like, a couple months maybe. Yeah, I can't remember last time I saw Sin Cara. It's baffled me, this whole thing. Just baffled me. And then but it was so like it was just like, Oh Sin Cara's won. Alright, next thing. Like it yeah, wasn't like was, it, it, no it was, it was kind of a big deal. Uh, but it was like, Oh yeah, fair enough. Like Like that was like that was something that could plausibly happen yeah, before the match the U- started. The US champion has just lost in seconds to someone who essentially loses everything. Like I fully assumed when I saw it was Sin Cara he was up against like when when Baron came out and it was like oh Baron Corbin's in action next I just assumed it was going to be against someone minor that he would easily squash and establish himself as a champion and and when at the beginning of the match I was like oh this is a bit weird to have your newly crowned champion kind of bumping around so much and then he literally lost I just it baffled me I'm not it's not like I'm a Baron Corbin fan or anything I kind of mind him but I don't think he's great but this decision just confused me yeah many things confused me this week um another thing that's confused me is the next bit um <laughs> where jinder mahal the wwe champion um has decided to challenge brock lesnar at survivor series um why and do we want to see this match i know i don't hashtag done with jinder and his reasoning being that he's beating everyone Right, everyone being Orton and Nakamura, he's literally beaten two people. They're the only two people I can ever remember him wrestling since being champion. Let alone like, just like, even in non-title matches, they're the only people I ever recall him facing. I do remember him facing somebody else on a, on an episode of SmackDown that wasn't Orton or Nakamura, and beating them clean. Uh, and me thinking, oh, that's that's I've not seen Jinder win clean before. I can't, I couldn't tell you who it was though. I might have probably to go... Sami Zayn. I think, I think it might have actually been Sami Zayn. But I'm not sure. But I just remember at the time being a bit like, well, 
Jinder wins. Ty Dillinger. Jinder wins clean. That it could have been Ty. Yeah, it was definitely want something like that. Who hasn't been there since, uh, since whatever the SmackDown pay per view was? Um, Hell in the Cell. Yeah, haven't no, been yeah. there on the no. last two episodes. Not seen him at all. Um, so Jinder challenges Brock, and apparently Brock's going to respond to that challenge on Monday on Raw. Um, <laughs> it'd be really funny if you just went no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Jinder tried to do Paul Heyman's Brock Lesnar thing, but it didn't quite work because his voice isn't quite good enough for that. So he had to kind of just revert into his like guttural like <laughs> Lesnar and and uh, it was just and then like he said, "I'm challenging the Beast," and everyone like for most people know who that is, but yeah. there was a while where he didn't say Brock Lesnar's name. Yeah. So that it was just a bit odd. I didn't like this. I didn't. I don't like Jinder. All the same. Um, and surely, right, so Brock's matches are suplex, like big move, big move, suplex, suplex, finisher. Um, and I just think, are they going to job out Jinder to him so easily? That's WWE their, champion that's their on champion. SmackDown. Um, is there going to be some kind of interference? I swear to God, if we get the great Carly. Imagine if Jinder Mahal beats Brock Lesnar. I, if he even puts up a fight, like if even if it's a if it's a close match and he hits the claws, um, I just I have no idea what they're gonna do with this. And I suppose we've got five weeks or so to find out. But God, I don't want to see this. And then there's been like the rumor leading up to it for the last couple of days. I didn't think it would literally just be like, oh, I want to face Lesnar. All right, see what Lesnar says. It's just, I don't know. I don't understand. Me neither. It's just um, just another confusing aspect of this this week's uh, programming. Um, not really much more to say other than the fact that AJ Styles came came out and said that you you've beaten some people on SmackDown, but you've not beaten AJ Styles. Uh, Jinder basically said that he wasn't a worthy opponent. Yeah. So he said. Of being every worthy opponent on SmackDown Live, and then uh, AJ's music hits, which was quite good, it was quite nice. I, although I should have, I didn't think about AJ coming out. I just assumed that was that was going to be the end of it. Jinder basically bonds him down, says he's not a worthy opponent. You're a loser, whatever. And then AJ beats him up. <laughs> yeah, and um, makes the champion look stupid, um, and he runs away. Um, so, you know, hopefully we'll see some stuff with AJ and hopefully AJ will get back into the title hunt. Ideally, AJ would take the title off Jinder <laughs> because I don't want to see Jinder as champion anymore and I'd love to see AJ as champion again. Well, because this then led to a little backstage thing with Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan's just there. On and, the phone, but not on the phone. And uh, Jinder comes in and says, like, oh, I want to make an example of uh, AJ Styles or whatever. And he says, well, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Like Sunil or whoever, whatever one of them is, is going to do it. Which is a bit of a swerve. Yeah, a little bit of a swerve. I quite like and him. And not even so... in a handicap match. Yeah. It's literally just one of them. I quite like him jobbing out his his, his yeah. helpers. Which is what you should do, to be fair. Yeah, exactly what you should do. Um, so, yeah, and that part, obviously AJ Stars is 
he's going to be up against Sunil, and you'd, I did, well, you'd think he would easily win that match, but then you never know. It, it instantly brought me back to around this time last year when we would have AJ Styles versus James Ellsworth on a weekly basis. Yeah. Uh, Ellsworth beat AJ Styles, didn't he? Three times. Three times. Um, ridiculous. Uh, the world of WWE, everyone. Um, okay, so Hell in a Cell rematch was up next. Dolph Ziggler versus Bobby Roode. Um, and what the commentators dubbed a much-anticipated rematch. I can't think of anyone who really wanted to see it. <laughs> no. No, me neither. Um, so Bobby Roode comes out, normal glorious entrance. Dolph Ziggler comes out, still sticking with the whole no music thing. Although still going with the whole beat at the beginning, which I don't Over really like. Scratched it. Yeah, what I didn't like was so Dolph won this match, and fair enough, whatever. He lost the first one, but he won it by cheating, by in essentially the same way that Bobby Roode won by holding the tights. Um, why does Dolph have music at the end of the match, but not at the start? Good point. Didn't think of that. No, I mean I don't think WWE thought of it either. Just you know, come on, guys. Sort it out. Um, I'm not going to dwell too much on that match, but Bobby Roode's going nowhere for me at the moment, and I'm not really on board with it. Although it was short, this was a bit of a better match than the Hell in a Cell match, I think. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just not on board with either of these two guys at the moment. Um, but more so, probably more on board with Ziggler than Roode. Um, and I don't think that's what WWE are going for, but then again, I'm a little bit confused as to what they're going for. Well, it's kind of like... oh. Rude cheered to win That's at Hell in a Cell. This week he got his comeuppance. Yeah, which is not really what a face should be going through. No. Because he doesn't really suit a face for me. It's just not at all. Yeah, if he was NXT Bobby Rude through that, you'd be like, no. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> that would yeah. be a laugh, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, moving on. Now, are we gonna, should we mention the... Uh, was it Pulp Fashion? Was it else what it was called this week? Yeah. I genuinely thought this was the worst Fashion Files episode that they've done. Yeah, it just wasn't funny. It just wasn't funny at all. I didn't really um didn't really think it was noteworthy. Um the whole two B issue, obviously the Bludgeon brothers were revealed last week on SmackDown in a promo and they <laughs> No sign of them this week. Um, oh, they did another promo. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, I didn't see it. They had another promo thing. So. Same same old rubbish? Yeah, basically it said something about the depths of the darkness will always something, something, the light. And then they went... <laughs> something, something. And then they went Harper, Rowan, and then they both hit a camera on the floor with their hammers. Their foam hammers. Potentially, yeah. Yeah. I didn't see that bit actually, um, but the Ascension basically said it's obvious that it's the Bludgeon Brothers, which is what we've all been thinking for the last week since they were revealed. Um, but that was sort of just sort of brushed under the carpet. Do we think that's the end of that sort of feud now or that mystery? Someone stole their briefcase, sneaking in without anybody seeing, obviously. Is it Baron Corbin trying to get his briefcase back? <laughs> Zing! <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was. Um... Are they literally going to brush brush off the whole Bludgeon Brothers thing? And are they saying it's not them now that they've mentioned it on TV, or is it just is it then going to turn out to be the Bludgeon Brothers, and it's going to be like, oh well, Ascension told us this three weeks ago. So there's not uh, there's not really a win win if it is. I still think it's Bob Backlund. 
Bob Ackland. Or yeah. Bob Buchanan, one of the two. Brooklyn Brawler? No. What a ridiculous suggestion. Um, but I'm out. I can't think of any <laughs> others. I don't know what they're doing with it. There was some sort of play on Pulp Fiction. This. Have you ever seen Pulp Fiction, Aiden? I have, yeah, long, long time ago. Okay, so I didn't think you would have seen that, but um, they sort of played on the whole um, allergic reaction thing. Um, it just it just sort of fell fell flat. Didn't find it funny this week, as much as I love Fandango and, Bre- and Tyler Breeze, and even The Ascension. To be fair, I don't mind him anymore. I prefer them it in did. this role than their 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 normal one. It did kind of make me laugh. Um, so Breeze said. Um, uh, do you know what they call a cheeseburger in France? Like Royale Rumble. And then uh, Fandango just started saying things that didn't make any sense. <laughs> he was... He just... I don't even know. Like, he's saying something about... Um, yeah. And then in French. And then they were like, what? And then he was like, and then burgers. And it was, it was just really weird. Like, he was just saying things that didn't make sense. But it did kind of make me laugh. Yeah, it was, just, it was all a bit weird. Um we should probably move on. I know Breeze loves dressing up as a woman. I know. Why is he always dressed as a woman? He's a pretty he bloody man. bloody loves it. Hmm. Always got a bra on. Um, another backstage. Well, this was kind of backstage. Another backstage. This one I actually enjoyed. And there was only really one reason for it. So Aiden English was walking along backstage. Uh, saw some a couple of guys who, you know, the, the types of random guys who hang around backstage in WWE not doing anything. But get caught on camera doing nothing. Uh, this guy was just on his phone. Aiden English said, "Would you be on the phone for the opening of uh, Don Giovanni? Um, am I is my am I not on the musical level? Are like high enough for you? Um, who is who is? Yeah, if I'm not, who is? And then the New Day <laughs> appear playing there, playing the trombone. One of many trombones we found out that they own because they had many at Helen as well. Um, so yeah, um, and basically nothing really really happened. Other than R- Rusev. Rusev. <laughs> Rusev turning up and saying, no, it's not a new day. It's, it's Rusev, Rusev day, which, which was quite cool. I quite like that. But the best bit after this was that Xavier Woods had learned how to play Rusev's feed tune <laughs> on brilliant. the trombone. <laughs> I love this. He played it really well. Yes. And I don't think the crowd really got it. It, it, took like a little, it took a little while, but I think they did yeah. eventually. <laughs> it's just like this... That's really cool. Like, much to like actually, because it's the second time this week that this has happened. Because um, didn't Elias play Kurt Elias Angle's theme tune? To play, yeah. yeah. And then what? I, can you remember what the words were? Jordan or something? It's something about yeah, it was like no. Jason. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, basically, yeah, that was it. But that was rubbish. But the, the guitar playing was fine, and the trombone playing was good as well. Um, I don't. So I'm assuming next week we'll probably have some sort of New Day versus Aiden English and Rusev match, and probably. that will be forgettable. <laughs> Another backstage segment, which I think was just before this one, was um, when they young going to uh, interview the Usos, and uh, the uh, Chad Gable and Benjamin interrupt them. This was a little bit, a little bit strange. I thought. Because um, I have kind of thought about the potential of... Because last week we saw the, the Usos show respect towards the New Day. And people suggesting it was kind of like a face turn. Which I didn't think it was a face turn. It was just a show of mutual respect. Um, and uh, Gable and Benjamin basically saying like... They did a bit of a weird rap. 
and said we're going to take these titles off you really soon. No announcement of when this title match is ever actually going to be. Um, and they were like, but in the meantime, respect, shut their hands out. And Usos were like, oh, fair, I thought we were going to like throw down, you know, <laughs> fair enough, went to shake their hands and then the others walked away. And it was yeah. a bit like, oh, that was a bit harsh. Yeah. Another instance where if they are heels, why am I feeling sympathy yeah, for them? Yeah, exactly. Um, seems to be the way at the moment with WWE heels. Um, just tend to get behind the Usos in this one. Can, I would just, I know it's not going to happen, obviously, but I would love to see Usos versus Rollins and Ambrose. Maybe at Survivor Series. Potentially, but I imagine there's going to be some kind of shield. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, yeah, Roman that would be... turns on the shield to join his cousins, the Usos. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't see that one happening, but I, I agree it would be a, a hell of a match. How about uh, how about we have Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose versus The Bar versus The New Day versus The Usos? Or even... In a four-team tag team... No, a four-team TLC match. The month after TLC? <laughs> yeah, you know. Or even just something like... Or a ladder match. Or Rollins and Ambrose and The Bar in a four-man team against the SmackDown team of Usos New Day. Because they keep... Michael Cole kept saying this week, Survivor Series is the only time of the year where Raw and SmackDown face each other. Mm. And I said previously that I didn't want to see the whole Raw versus SmackDown thing this year. I'd rather see, like, Team KO versus Team Shane and stuff like that. But if we're going to see that, then... If we're going to see Raw versus SmackDown, then that'd be the kind of matchup I'd like to see. Yeah, I mean... But then you'd lose... Rollins and Ambrose from like from any sort of main event yeah. match, yeah. But Where it would be Roman a it would be a hell of a match. <laughs> yeah, I bloody love it. Yeah. Um, so what match was made for later in night? So earlier, Daniel Bryan had said how he wanted to go find two guys who would punch Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in the face, um, and he seemingly found so many guys that he had to pick from. Uh, he went with Randy Orton and Shinsuke Nakamura, who seemed to be continuing this uh, team. Uh, that they formed over the last few weeks. Can you remember any of the brilliant names we came up with for them last week? Nakamorton. Nakamorton. I think that was my one. Ran- uh, it was like Ranske Nakamorton. <laughs> Ranske Nakamorton. Uh, Autonora. Oh. That wasn't one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, but um, they weren't so successful this week um, because they came out on a losing effort, uh, on the losing end, sorry, to... Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Um, firstly, good to see Sami pick up a win. I mean, this is exactly what I put in my notes. So good to see Sami. Or so good to see Zayn get yeah, a win. Yeah, I haven't seen Sami Zayn win a match for a long time. Um, so yeah, it was good to see him get the pin on on Randy Orton as well. And not, uh, you know, um, and it, there was some sort of really good interactions between like sort of. Zayn and Nakamura who obviously have that brilliant match at NXT takeover um, and it's just not like we haven't seen like Sammy mix it up with Randy Orton since you know he came to, to Smackdown we haven't seen him really we haven't seen him mix it with Nakamura since their match at takeover it opens up a lot of potential matches and it's instantly what it's done to Sami Zayn is thrust him into the main event which is really, really essentially what he was looking for yeah. <laughs> and th- th- there's a little bit in this match which displayed how kind of programmed the commentators are to plug the network where to start the match it was Nakamura and Zayn 
and Corey Graves went, or Michael Cole said, or history with these two, their match last year, and Corey Graves was like, yeah, it was one of the one of the best matches of the last few years, go check it out on the WWE Network. Just like, it was so natural for him just to chuck that in. Yeah, I felt like that a lot um, this week. They, there was a lot of plugs for the network. They're talking about the free trial and how you'll they get TLC as a trial. And then there's always a, there's always a pay-per-view coming these days every two weeks. So, yeah. so essentially, if you, I keep saying essentially this week, but yeah, <laughs> if you sign up to the WWE Network, you're going to get a pay-per-view for free That's with your trial. Two. Yeah, well, two yeah, two pay per views for free. And if you do it around WrestleMania time, you get WrestleMania rather than booking it on Sky Box Office for like forty quid or whatever. Yeah. It's insane. It's a bit of a rip off, isn't it? Um, so yeah, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn picked up the win. Uh, I thought it was a decent, decent match. Um, yeah, crowd were into it. And I thought, you know, the ending was was all right. I mean, playing into the whole Sami Zayn full blown heel mode now. Uh, the low blow uh, and the halluva kick looked effective. And he picked up the win on Randy Orton, um, which is a big deal for someone like Sami Zayn, I think. Long may it continue. Yeah, I assumed if they were going to win, it would be Nakamura who takes the fall. But, yeah, impressive. And so what happened after? Now, so, yeah, Zayn Owens went to the back. And in Gorilla, they were met by Daniel Bryan, who they continued to mock. Uh, Daniel Bryan, they asked Daniel Bryan what he's got next for them because just, they've just beaten the two top guys on SmackDown. Uh, and Daniel Bryan said it wasn't up to him, it was up to Shane. And, and I guess we were meant to find that incredulous or we were meant to be really surprised by that, but not really. He's um, the commissioner. He's the commissioner of the show. He makes the rules, right? Uh, Kevin Owens and Sammy looked upset by that, but then they made their way back out. Uh, to the ringside area. It was weird because Randy Orton and Nakamura were just standing at the bottom of the ramp in front of their camera for no real reason. Yeah, it's like obviously they kind of, I guess they knew that um, Sane and Owens were meant to be coming back out, but they, it seemed like they were just waiting for them for no reason, um, which I thought was a bit stupid. They were just listen. They were basically just standing there, weren't they, yeah. <laughs> at the bottom of the ramp doing nothing. Um, so it was a bit weird. And then they came back out. And um, we're yesing <laughs> and saying how they're the best team. Um, and then they hugged and Kevin Owens told Sammy to hug him and then to hold him tight, which as as SmackDown went off, yeah, you could hear it was getting some laughs from the crowd. I just thought this was weird and kind of unnecessary. I think they could have left it at the Daniel Bryan thing. I don't, that Daniel Bryan thing, I don't think was played on screen because there was no crowd reaction from that's Daniel why I, I thought it fell completely flat but then i guess it's because the crowd didn't see that bit so but i think they could if they put that on screen they could have left it at that and, and i felt like the whole them coming out and taunting everyone thing was probably something that they would have more likely done after the cameras had gone off and something for the house um which is a little bit it was just a bit strange and then the fact that randy orton and jinder were, uh, not jinder nakamura were just get my asians mixed up <laughs> We're just standing at the bottom of the ramp, just staring at them. Like, if I were them, I would either walk away or go go at them and be like, stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> uh, you'd make such a great WWE superstar. Yeah, my gimmick is just... Stop. <laughs> <sighs> I think that brings us to a natural conclusion of SmackDown, I think. I think we should stop. <laughs> Yeah, I think we should. Um, now, as Matt isn't here this week, obviously we've been trying to get some new segments into the show, and we had started with our sort of Survivor Series teams from different eras, 
We've done two, so we did the golden era, great team. We did um, the new generation era, another great team. And we we will do the attitude era at some point, just not this week with Matt not being here. I just don't think it would be fair. As much as we all know he's going to put up a massive fight about The Rock. <laughs> and The Rock is definitely going in, by the way. Um, it just wouldn't be fair to Matt to do it without him here. So in, with respect to Matt, who's ill this week, we won't do the Survivor Series team. Our fallen BWB brother. Yes. Hopefully only temporarily. Because um, he's not dead. Yet. <laughs> well, on that rather sombre note. <laughs> Stay tuned or find find out next week whether he made it or not. Find out next week if Matt made it through his ordeal this week. Um, and to do that, how can they find us on the social media, Aiden? You can find us. Don't on... check your phone for it. You should know this off by heart. I do. You can find us on Twitter at the underscore PWP. Right. And you can find us on Instagram at the People's Wrestling Podcast. Right. Well done. Thanks. And yeah, I was going to give our... Each little uh, little personal Twitters and stuff to shout out. But... Go for it. Yeah, go for it. All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter at just Aiden Bunker, all one word, and spell A-I-D-A-N, not E-N, as everyone else spells it. <laughs> Don't get that wrong. That's a real pet peeve, isn't it, for you? Yes, every day of my life, including today, I get it. <laughs> um, Where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well, uh, at AliBunker88. Um, so, yeah, just... Hit us up, give us a follow, see what we're tweeting about. Generally, most of mine will be about Spurs. I mean, that's tend to be what I tweet about. And as he's not here, we'll give Matt a little Twitter shout yeah, out. Yeah, shout out to Matt's Twitter. So it's at the Bear M Bumby. So, yeah. Great, great name. Like it. Um, and yeah, we've got Instagrams as well. I can't remember. I can never remember what my Instagram is. All my is. social medias are Aiden Bunker. Give me a follow on literally everything. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, um, I'll I'll get back to you next week with my Instagram. I don't I can't remember what it is. Probably the same. Just try it, see what happens. Um Alibear eighty eight, yeah, I can confirm. So it's different, it's Alibear eighty eight. Oh yeah. Bear's a nickname. Alibear eighty eight on the Instagram. So yeah, give us a follow. And make sure you follow the the PWP pages on, on both platforms as well. Uh, we'll be looking to get some content out this week, including and because we haven't really mentioned it this week and it is a pay per view coming up. Um, probably we'll try and get some predictions out there for TLC, right? Yeah, yeah, we're going to have to tweet them out because we don't really have the time now. Yeah, so what what we'll do is we'll get um, each one of our opinions on, on the matches. Maybe we'll uh, we'll put some sort of image out which shows it uh, and you can you can see which one of us comes out on top and we'll discuss it on next week's show. Um, hopefully with a, a full complement of, of, of presenters for you with Matt coming back. Um, so with that, I think that's bye from me. It's bye from me. And I guess it's bye from Matt as well, who's not here. So um, from all of us at PWP, thanks for listening. Make sure you go back and listen to all of our old episodes too. Go check them out and uh, we'll see you next week. (laughs) 